Hey, this is Wicked Spursy, Mike, Steve, Dave, and occasionally a special guest here to talk about the club that we love, Tottenham Hotspur. Come on, you Spurs. Let's go. Hey, this is Wicked Spursy. Uh, this is Mike. We have Steve and Brian today. Uh, Dave's off uh, doing whatever it is David does um, out in the uh, great wilderness of California. Um, but today, but today, we have some uh, great things to talk about. Um, like I said, we have our friend Brian with us. How you doing today, Brian? Doing great, gentlemen. Thank you for having me again. Um, my voice is still recovering from uh, round one was COVID about a month ago, and round two was a bachelor party in Austin, Texas this weekend. So Ooh. Uh, <laughs> n- neither were particularly helpful for my voice, but thank you for having me anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. How are you doing, Steve? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. We uh, made the mistake of going on a hike yesterday in the rain. Um, I got eaten alive. Mosquitoes by the thousands. I'm also very allergic to mosquito bites. So I ended up with these massive like silver dollar plus sized welts all over my legs that are just like literally on fire. Like you could touch it and feel the heat coming from from my skin. It's that bad. Get this man some Benadryl. <laughs> that you know, that's the thing. I the reactions that I have, no, I have not found a single allergy product that helps at all. No topicals, no Benadryl, no nothing. I've just I just suffer. However, it did uh, convince me to just go all out and buy that 100% DEET. I don't even care if it, you know, disintegrates my legs at this point. It's preferable. That's, yeah, that's the shit that, like, when, when you feel it tingling on your skin, you know it's working. Yeah. 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 I mean, my uh, my sister-in-law had this uh, deep woods uh, last week when we went on a hike, and I watched a mosquito land on my skin and die. So uh, that seems like the plan going forward. I'll just kill them all by making my body as toxic as possible. That's, I, <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's the way to go. That's the, totally the tingling way. is actually the cancer growth, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> it, well, that's perfectly fine with me. I mean, at this point <laughs> in my life, I'm, I'm, I'm around the radiation. I'm on the, around the radiation constantly all day long. So I, I feel like I have superpowers. Um, so my weekend consisted of, uh, Consisted of a Friday night, uh, working out in the yard, cutting, uh, cutting down all the dead branches and stuff. And then, uh, having a fire out of the fire pit by myself because, uh, nobody else wanted to brave the bugs. And I said, the bugs will go away as soon as we get the fire started. And sure enough, they did. Also, I put in, put on some deep woods off. Um, from there, I had to wake up early in the morning for Lucas's soccer game, uh, they had a home and away weekend soccer uh, soccer match against uh, a team from uh, Addison United. They they call themselves from from the Addison the Addison Valley in Vermont. Um, super physical kids. Uh, Lucas uh, was by the second game on Sunday was clearly frustrated. Uh, put in some hard tackles, um, made some great challenges, and. Uh, for the uh, second out of three games, had a breakaway and and muffed the muffed an open net, <laughs> but that's okay. I thought we were, we were going to hear about baby's first red card right there, but okay. oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he, he almost had it. He almost had it, Brian. Um, luckily, there was uh, the referee decided not to show up, so we had a parent 
referee. Uh, also, the half the field is underwater and blah, 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 blah. I don't think that match is going to count. Three of the uh, other team's goals were wildly offside. Um, but, you know, we're not allowed to complain as parents of far post. So, um, <laughs> which is probably a good thing because I would have gone ballistic. That said, um, we had a game today that was wonderful. We had a game yesterday that was wonderful. Um, results results are happening uh, to us, which which get me nervous. Um, just just because of uh, the 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 not just recent history, but actual history of the club um, would tell us that at some point something is going to get um, bottled. Locked. <laughs> it's a better word, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Steve, what, you want to start us off here, and uh, what do we want? What do we want to go with first? Uh, fucking Woolwich, or uh, do we even need to talk about Burnley? We can talk about Burnley a little bit because there are some things, but um, let's yeah, talk I'll, about Woolwich. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's fresh in my mind, having just uh, you know watched that a couple hours ago. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those games that I expected that result, um, but seeing it happen and believing that would happen were like two completely different things. You know, there's the part of me going into it that thought, yeah, you know, Newcastle have this Arsenal don't really look great. They've kind of rode their luck at times over the last few games. Um, and Eddie Howe has been doing a, a pretty good job. Granted, I will say the club is still garbage, uh, you know, for their ownership and uh, for having, John Joe Shelby on their team at all. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it felt dirty to root for them. Uh, but watching that game and watching Arsenal kind of capitulate on themselves much the same way they did in the, uh, in the Spurs game. I mean, holy crap. Like that team is just in free fall from the looks of it. Steve, Steve, uh, what does capitulate mean? Does that mean like shit? They shit they on shit themselves. The they <laughs> shit on themselves. <laughs> okay, I'm just making. I'm just, I'm just all over themselves. Um, and I mean, we saw that shit walking up and down the field the entire game. Uh, no, there were. It was. It was. Honestly, it was. It was really great uh, pressing from Newcastle. They identified Arsenal's weak areas, which at this point is their entire defense, which is held together by, I can only assume, uh, some scotch tape and uh, maybe a little bit of El- Elmer's glue. Nothing really durable. Don't forget uh, black magic, Steve. Black magic, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But hey, you know, credit to Newcastle. They, pre- they pressured them. They forced them into uncomfortable situations. They were relentless for long periods of the game. Um, if Newcastle managed to find a goal scorer better than Callum Wilson, they might actually be dangerous uh, next season. The, you know, striker alone isn't going to solve their their problems completely, but it would be a, a really solid step if they can keep up that uh, intensity that we saw against the uh, Arsenal. Uh, I'm going to call them the Arsenal B or C team because uh, the rest of them are all off injured or, or pretending to be sick so that they don't have to deal with that uh, free fall. But <laughs> I mean, that's in their nature, right? They're, they're bound to make themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we have one candidate for the conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a good one. I've, Who's I've faking it? Hard. 
who's faking it on the other North London team? <laughs> All of them. I mean, look, G- Gabriel went down injured in the Spurs game, and he's just miraculously fit to start for uh, Newcastle. Come on. like. Uh, but, I mean, to be fair, Arteta does have this history of forcing players who have been injured back quickly and then mm-hmm. them getting injured uh, almost immediately. It's mm-hmm. a shock to me that neither Ben White nor uh, G- Gabriel, Gabriel, whatever, uh, went down injured and, you know, there goes the rest of their season. Uh, but they did claim Tomiyasu, so it sucks to be them, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I, I do want, before I, I pass it off, because I, I definitely want to hear uh, your guys' take as well, I do want to give a, a special fuck you to whoever was running that broadcast and decided to show a close-up of Callum Wilson's tooth falling out. That was disgusting. There was no <laughs> need for me to have seen that. It added nothing to the game. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Like, and you know, I can I can see, oh, you caught it as a quick glimpse and decided, oh, let's cut away, but you lingered, USA and whoever got the feeds coming from, you lingered on that for entirely too long. You got entirely too close to that. Uh big fuck you to those guys that was that was gross that was really gross <laughs> um, know, I'll, I'll let brian go because you know he's he's the guest you know oh well Very honored, honored, honored guest don't start deferring to me out of politeness now mike but um <laughs> <laughs> but regardless um no i mean uh, i think uh that was just received like your your <laughs> tooth falling out thing was it was just one of many gruesome things in that particular game um it was just like I, honestly i think spurs broke their back at real that's really what it felt like after that that was a, a colossal destruction uh, and a really satisfying one um and talk about a, a deserved north london derby win for spurs and honestly that team is yeah they're young but they they looked like they had quit before the opening whistle. Like it just that that game wasn't close. Um, v- like you could see like these little isolated pockets of natural talent on Arsenal. They do have some really athletic, like skilled technical players, but there is no squad cohesion at this point. It's amazing they got as many players. Like to a certain extent, you know, you have to give Arteta a lot of credit for getting them as far as he did for putting this team and I know there are injuries and some fake injuries and, and whatever else out there. Um, but you got to give them some credit for getting them this far. And I think that force of personality and middle level, like technical uh, ability on Arteta's part is not enough to withstand the drubbing that they got from Tottenham uh, the, the previous match. And this game was not even close, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I really like <laughs> I, the Schadenfreude was strong in this match. Like just wishing against wish. Like like I checked it out. Like five thirty eight gave Newcastle only a twenty one percent chance to win, and I, I I was surprised. I thought between the quit that I knew existed in Arsenal and the fact that Newcastle was gonna be relentless because you know they're they're just kind of they're really I think they are on the up and up. I think Eddie Howe does have a good amount to do with that. Um, uh, 538 also gave him only a 25% of a draw. I thought a draw was much more likely. If this had ended up like 1 1 or 0 0, that would have seemed like kind of okay to me, and also particularly okay because we'd still be one point clear. But, um, Matt, the, the extent to which that team was just 
uh, it did, they didn't even look gassed. They just looked like this is like their first time playing together. Um, it was, I mean, the, you know, the shop-based goals, again, just a quote from it, uh, from 538, like 1.6. It didn't feel close to that. For, for Newcastle felt like they were just on the attack. They were not, the press was strong. And Arsenal, they, they didn't really know how to get out of it, truly. Um, so uh, now that I've said that, I want to say the name Jamal Khashoggi, which is what I want to do every single time we bring up uh, Newcastle United um, and say that they're a bunch of bastards, even though I really like Eddie Howe. Um, I think he should be the next England manager. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, uh, occasionally, I hate to say this, I don't want to be, you know, like a mercenary about it, but the enemy of your enemy is your friend once in a great while. You know, we've been in a position of having to root for, West Ham, right? Like uh, we, we've been in a position having to root for like these these strange one game bedfellows, and this just happened to be one. You know, I think for me, this this game today tasted so much better, knowing that Spurs pushed them to this point where they were just mentally broken um, after getting completely thrashed, uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the Spurs game and mention the following statement, holding D's nuts. I've been waiting for that for far too long. Uh, <laughs> holding. I don't, you know, there's here. I am things, thinking he's going to like read a quote from Marcin Wenger or something. Nope. Nah, <laughs> Other end of the nah. spectrum. <laughs> nope. We're going full, full shit posting right here. Uh, this, you know, for all that Arteta has done tactically, um, there are some absolute brain dead tactics that he rolls out that just make absolutely no fucking sense to me. Sticking somebody like Rob Holding so close to Sun was just asking to be burnt. You know, Sun has incredible pace. He is able to use his body, his momentum, uh, judge the flight of the ball so well that he makes anybody who gets tight to him absolutely fucking miserable unless they have the pace to keep up with it, which Holding does not. I don't know why after the first five minutes they didn't say, hey, you know what? This isn't working. We need to stop before you get carded. Well, he got carded, and then he did something stupid and got carded again. What a fucking moron. But it's like, I mean, it's like someone only told them the night before who they were playing. They're like, hey, just so you know, yeah. you're, you're not going to be matching up against, like, you know, the the ghost of Granite Jaka and practice or some, you know, whoever they put in is, or, or like, you know, uh, uh, Lacazette with a bad ankle or something. You're going against Women's Sung. Like, and, you know, I can imagine like the night before being like, oh, wait, you were serious about that? I got to match up against that guy because um, he looked like utterly unprepared and outclassed just across the board. Which, I mean, it, it works for me because he came across as having this sort of cocky arrogance to him. Like, yeah, I'm going to keep Sun in my back pocket. No, you're fucking not. Are you kidding me? The number of players in the Premier League who are capable of locking down Sun, you can probably count on one hand. Yep. Rob Holding's not one of them. Nope. And that arrogance cost them a lot. So I, I, I have some, you know, I have some thoughts on that whole thing is, and, and I, I, I don't know what went into his mind when he thought about um, who was going to play where, because we all know that because Ben White wasn't available to him the way 
he needed him to be available that he stuck holding over there and then he had to move Tamiyasu. I think had Ben White been available or maybe he should have just stuck Tamiyasu back there. At least moved move somebody else onto Son after that after that first fucking yellow card. Let's also point out that that first yellow card didn't come until four fucking challenges before that. Right? Yep. So, you know, or three challenges before that. The referee came over, Kevin Friend, who I don't usually like, and I think he was borderline pretty fair. Um, I mean, we could talk about the, uh, the, the soft penalty that happened, um, but he came over to him after went to give him that first yellow and he put three fingers up said that was your third that 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 was after the third ch- uh, you know ch- chance mm-hmm. i gave you i've given you three chances already now i'm giving you a yellow they should have moved somebody else onto sun or flipped the sides um he might have had the same issue with decky at that time because we know decky likes to or, or it would have been lucas at that time right um but was it yeah um, anyway, I, I, I don't think, I, I honestly think that Tomiyasu might have had a better chance uh, playing on Son in that game. Just keep Tomiyasu where he normally is. Um, but outside of that, really, really, really soft foul on, on that penalty. Um, we've seen it, you know, called a million times the other way. It was just bad, bad fucking timing by Cedric. It was like one of those... Uh, it, um, he didn't even try to play the ball, you know. He's really he's he's really um, timed it bad. He uh, has his body in on Sun, and we've seen we we've seen that play a million times, not get called, right? But it was it was, you know, you got to kind of liken it to like uh, a, a pass interference in the NFL back in the day when they had to turn their heads, you know. Now they can just kind of face guard the guys, but you don't have your head turned around looking like you're going to play the ball, you're going to get called for pass interference 99 times out of 100. This is what happened. Um, and it didn't help that that holding fucking sandwiched him at the same time. You know? It, it wasn't I mean, like you, t- you talk about lost teeth. I thought Sonny was going to lose a tooth after we saw the first replay. He got, like, yeah, he got... So he got some... Uh, he got some hard tackles put on him. Harry Kane had some hard tackles put on him. Yeah. Um, it, it was clear to me that... It wasn't they. They weren't putting in hard physical tackles because, oh shit! Look what I got myself into. I have to do something. It was a game plan going in. They're gonna try and physically intimidate Son, because we know that Sonny does some stupid shit when he's when he gets, you know, frustrated. He's he's been he's been red carded a couple times, right? You guys um, notice uh, Kane walking in to like physically remove him from holding after like i think it was the second or third challenge Yeah, because he stepped back it was after he got flipped over the top with yep. with the uh with the kick to the ribs and then mm-hmm. son with the elbow and um so i i'd like to mention i was i i was curious just a little curious so after the game so i um listen to the AFTV guys do their little podcast those guys are the fucking least knowledgeable. Don Robbie is one of the least knowledgeable soccer people I've ever listened to on a podcast in my life. The fact that they are... And I've been on here popular, like five times. 
what's that? I said, and I've been on here like five times. <laughs> you're, you're, well, let's take into consideration. You're, you're We're all terrib- Americans here. We're still saying that. You're terribly prepared for their for, for their podcast, for whatever it is they're going to say. They don't sound knowledgeable when they're on there. I can't believe they're a popular podcast. It, it's, it blows my mind. And all they did was sit there and talk about Son and this elbow that he threw. They don't mention that he got fucking kicked in the ribs, which caused him to throw the elbow. And then Harry, and then he got flipped off of, off of, uh, off of holding. And then Harry Kane had to come in and grab him and say, keep your fucking cool. That what didn't happen was because of the immaturity of those guys and that Arsenal team. That's why they lost because they're immature. They couldn't handle the pressure. They couldn't handle the moment. They just didn't. And from that moment on, they got fucking bossed all over the field. They had a great first five minutes, right? First five minutes, they looked like they were on the front foot. They were pressing forward. Spurs, you know for a fact that they invited that in because mm-hmm. eventually they knew that that team was immature. Conte probably told them, listen, they're not, they're not going to know what to do when that ball comes back over the top of them. Because eventually we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna intercept that ball and we're gonna cross the ball diagonally across the field to a wing back who's gonna set Harry Kane and Sonny on a run, you know. I mean, honestly, it's it's not just like a, a young Arsenal defense. It's like that's a, the really beautiful problem that Spurs have been causing for every team since January. Is what the hell do you do about that top three? Right. right? Well, is there? I mean, you got to. You basically got to look at Liverpool and sadly next season's Manchester City uh, to find a more deadly combo. I mean, well, and I think that was the. I think you're right, Mike. I think the game plan. It feels a lot like um, when when the Splash Brothers were like completely out of control for Golden State, and it yeah. was very clear that certain teams were like, "Well, we're not going to beat them, so maybe we'll just beat the crap out of them." Right. It was clearly like a game plan to like try and end Steph Curry's career um, and, you know, uh, knock everybody out. It's like nice where you have have like an enforcer, which, by the way, you know, we even when we've missed our chief enforcer last couple of games. Um, I do think that that uh, even without the officiating, um, I do like that in general, this Spurs team has played hard, like. They are not afraid. Eric Dyer's never been afraid to go after somebody. Um, and it's only with Ramiro as a really class act backup. It's only gotten more uh, artfully aggressive. But I, I don't even know that you can give anybody on the team less than a seven for the game because it was after what happened. What happened to me for for for, for me in in my in my view is that once we got the ball past midfield. We broke them open. They were they were you know they were pushing on us a little bit. They're pressing us back into our box, um, but once we, once we broke them open after the seventh or eighth minute, got the ball past midfield and set up, they were they were not winning that game. They weren't. They just don't have the composure and the ability to to understand the game at that level yet. Like you said, they do have a bunch of really brilliant individual players. I. Um, and I think that they made a mistake starting Martinelli. I think Martinelli would have would have been better in a, in a role where he's coming off the bench in that game. I think Smith Rowe would have would have, would have been a better option for them at midfield. Um, I agree. Um, and 
I don't think I don't necessarily think he's a better player than Martinelli, but he's a different type of player. I think he's a more physical player, and I think he's a smarter player than Martinelli. Martinelli's fast, and if you have a bunch of tired, you know, tired guys, he's gonna he's gonna run you off the ball. Um, you know, and, and I, I just think that they made some Arteta made some really bad tactical moves from before the game started. Um, that said, I mean they lost they they lost Harry Kane of all fucking people on a set piece. Like, how do you let Harry Kane just kind of? I, I mean, I think they, I think we were texting about this, right, Mike? It was like, you know, you're looking around. Okay, that's you know, th- that's this that's Eric Dyer. There all these like you know battering ram, you know, big athletic dudes. Oh, and by the way, maybe a top three goal scorer in the world who also is excellent on headers. And no one thinks maybe we should just triple check to make sure one of the best goal scorers right. in the world I, I, I get isn't that. completely like, wide open. Marking him, right? And Kenny is supposed to be marking him, but Eddie, you ain't got it, dude. You got to fucking pay attention on the field. I don't give a fuck who you think you are. Oh man, uh, he'd be so fired. Like uh, uh, again, I'd be like worse than Ted Lasso at coaching a football team. But um, like uh, nothing, nothing against Ted Lasso, but I'd be, I would definitely be worse. Um, and you would be fired. You'd be gone. Oh, yeah, rocking the AFC Richmond jersey. Um, <laughs> you'd be so. That is like the kind of like they they don't let you do that past like you know your, your uh, JV soccer team in high school. If you missed a mark like that, you're gone. Like yeah. sorry, we got people who who are gonna like at least have the discipline to not screw I this get up. That there are ten guys out there, you know, but. It's a set piece. You can figure out how to not mark yeah. one of those guys in the middle. Or there are ten the guys, guys out there, and we the still should put two on Harry Kane. Like, you know that. You know that Hoiberg is not gonna. If he gets the ball ball in the back of the box, he's gonna fire it over the top of the fucking net every single time. You cannot lose Harry Kane, of all fucking people. Um, you know. So the game was over after the penalty. I, I feel. Um. You know, I'd be remiss if, you know, Brian, you mentioned the defense and, and the, uh, you know, job that they've done. Mike, you talked a lot about the the attack and how we won there. I just want to make sure that we give some some just attention to our Viking, Hoiberg, who, you know, I, you, I'm sure you know, I'm, I'm on the, the Reddit verse constantly. I'm always looking at you know, the, the people's thoughts on, on our coys and our soccer for, you know, the laughs mostly, um, definitely not the <laughs> intellectual conversation. But one of the things that I've noticed after these last couple of games this week at, uh, at Arsenal and, and, and Burnley, um, the consensus seems to be that Hoiberg's starting to get that, um, in my opinion, appropriate recognition uh, that he had been lacking prior to January and Benton Kerr's arrival. That dude was making such incredibly intelligent plays out of midfield. He would dive back to intercept the ball uh, that was coming after the defenders. Um, he he just, you could see this guy putting in that intensity, that effort, that work rate that we all know he's capable of doing. Uh, and it almost feels like at times he goes to be like an unsung hero. Um Benton Kerr, he's new, he's flashy, he's he's uh, you know the more attractive looking presence in the midfield, uh, but 
his him being on that team has enabled Hoiberg to step in and just do a lot of the quiet things so incredibly totally. well. And I'm I'm just loving that people are finally starting to see the value that he's bringing to the team. Honestly, I, between Benton, Kurt, Hoiberg, and Skip when he's when he's fit, you know, you get one more guy in there uh, for rotation purposes, and we've got a really solid core group uh, that is capable of rotating out depending on the competition. We should be competitive on multiple fronts next year, and it and it shouldn't even be an issue in the midfield. At least we have problems in other places that you know we can talk about later. But now, props to him; he put in some two really good games this week. Completely agree. I, I and I think to me. I think it's part mental and part tactical, but I think that that he's not terrified of what's behind him anymore, right? Like the uncertainty at the back. You have you have Dyer being the second coming of Eric Dyer. You have Ramiro, who I think we all agree has been like the luxury car, uh, you know, acquisition of the midseason. Um, I just. The, the Rolls-Royce Defender thing really makes me laugh. Um, but uh, And uh, and then you got Bentoncourt, who also plays generally like a little bit deeper. And I, to me, it's like watching the games, not having nearly like the tactical analytical abilities that you do, Steve. But like, I feel like I just am seeing him in different spaces than I did before those guys arrived here. And his use of space and his understanding of it is Excellent. I'd say I put it in like top four or five on the whole team. And when he's not terrified of cheating backwards, you know, so he doesn't get burned. Right. Um, and I think early on when he started to lose confidence in, in what was happening behind him, he started to cheat back or he would have to gas himself so much to get back that he wasn't as useful later in matches. Try and fill spaces that he couldn't get, you know. Exactly, exactly. So that stability in the back, in the core, the 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 dire Romero partnership and Benton core next to him has allowed him to really, I think you're totally right, kind of be um like I've loved him since day one, but this is like he is really, I think I he just looks more comfortable. You know, he looks like he's having more fun out there than he did for stretches of his time as a, as a Tottenham Hotspur player. He's also not having to play 180 minutes a fucking week either. Yeah. You know? um, Honestly, and if we if we get back his helping. fellow Dane next year uh, and he and his fellow Dane are uh, a rotation partner, I think that could be awesome. That's like excellent for stability and uh, and success. I think that's that would be a great uh, a talking point for a, a podcast maybe in the next couple of weeks. Um, that the the Danish connection. Um, now there is, and, and you know, you know, you like Poppy loves him some Danish. Um, <laughs> uh, I just uh, I just turned it into a pastry joke. Um, Speaking of things that Poppy loves, you know, we do have uh, a segment that I think we would uh, be remiss to miss out on just because a certain Dave didn't show up. Uh, And that always starts with a a very specific question we ask every single week now. I'm going to let Brian, as our guest, ask this particular question of Mike to get the ball rolling here. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell us what you're drinking? Well, well, Brian... um... I do love it when you ask that. Uh, Sorry, that, that was a pathetic Dave impression, but anyway, <laughs> I, I, I try to get something in, in that way. But. Um, Beautiful. So I've got, I, I'm going to go back to the well for the second week in a row, and I've never done this 
a beer from the same brewery two weeks in a row. Going back to the well on this. Um, here's the thing. I've got two beers here and I've labeled them for myself. But one is labeled Arsenal Loss. And the other is Tottenham Win. Now, Arsenal Loss refers to today's game. Tottenham Win refers to the game on Thursday. Which is better for you and which is better uh, for me? So I'm going to give you guys the option. Tottenham Ooh. win or Arsenal loss. I mean, I, I got to say the, the Tottenham win was special in a way. Um, yeah, so, I, I'm agreeing with you here, Brian. Yeah. I think that one was much more hard fought, whereas I feel like the Arsenal loss today was more inevitable. Okay, so um, the two beers that I had, and uh, it, choose your own adventure it, beer drinking. This is it could have gone it could have gone <laughs> one way or another. Um, the the Arsenal loss uh, today, I was thinking because this one this beer is called King Jammy. I was thinking that <laughs> that that Arsenal, if they were going to lose, was gonna they were gonna lose. At the end of the fucking match against Newcastle on some jammy fucking stupid goal, right? So that's I set that to the side. Since they got fucking trounced so fucking badly, it wouldn't have applied, so you guys chose right. Now, to our field captain, not team captain, uh, Harry Kane, our friend, uh, our friend Brian likes to uh, refer to, to Harry Kane as... Prince Harry of Kane. Prince Harry of Kane. <laughs> it's usually usually um, the way it comes out. I describe yeah, I described the 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 beer that I had last week, uh, Julius. Um, this is called Emperor Julius. It's another one of the Julius beers, um, Emperor Julius. So I'm gonna start calling him Emperor Harry of Kane, um, because <laughs> of the, design. Because he wow. showed up in the fucking big game at the right time when we needed him too and he showed up the next day too the next game too with with the amazing uh with the amazing penalty kick you know the guy's the guy is uh second to none penalty kicks man he really is so this is to uh emperor harry of kane uh this is emperor julius from treehouse brewing and that sounded nice Oh wow! So that smells good. This uh, this beer. I'm gonna pour some of this into my. Uh, also, another little tribute to our Tottenham Hotspur for the win on Thursday into my Beavertown glass, which is a brewery right in Tottenham. Look mm -hmm. at how thick this is. Nice. It's fucking awesome. Looks like fresh squeezed orange juice. Honestly, so that kind of looks like what I'm drinking too. That's wild. Emperor Julius says, uh. Stands tall alongside Very Hazy, uh, which is one of their beers. Um, the top of the Treehouse family tree. So this beer, they don't make it that often. Um, this one can of beer, seven dollars. <laughs> um, it, it it was not a it was not a cheap beer. Um, so they said they we don't take a beer like this lightly. It has to make sense. Then the flavors have to be soft, round, elegant, easy to drink all the way through the glass. To that end, we consider 
Emperor Julius to be a triumph. It pours a most be beautiful opaque orange color in the glass and gives us it gives us notes of a rich orange juice. Uh, that's true. It, it does smell like orange juice. Ooh, <laughs> they said also they compared to orange starburst and melon high chews. If you've never if you've never had a melon high chew, um, is the only fake melon. Yeah, it's the only <laughs> fake melon flavored uh, candy that I like. Uh, so yeah, it's a eight point eight percent alcohol. So it's it's a heavy duty um, double IPA, and it's got a great can design. Just a nice black label. I'm gonna take a picture of it for the friends on the. Uh... As as someone who is, uh, you know, makes no genetic sense, but as someone who is allergic to hops, alas, um, and therefore this is the segment of my favorite Spurs podcast in which I have like the least to comment on or you know really relate to. Uh, I can say that this one would probably actually kill me. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. It might actually kill you. Actually, last, <laughs> week's, last week's had like seven different kinds of hops in it. Oh, man. Yeah, no, that's that's my kryptonite right there. Um, you know, it's funny to me that you picked that one in particular. This one that I've got, it's a Double Space Walker from Burlington Beer Co. It's a fruit smoothie style double goza. It's also that color, that thickness, and eight percent alcohol. It's a it's a double gosa. Yep. Did they did they use lactose in it? Uh, yes. They I fucking so. love their milkshake beers there, don't they? Dude, this is they, did, they must have bought good. just like a shitload of lactose and just like had it in storage and were like, "Fuck, what are we gonna do with all this?" This but, might be uh, the beer nerdiest conversation I have ever been a party to. So, <laughs> thanks. If it makes you feel any better, I drink it out of the can uh, like a, a Neanderthal, whereas Mike is much more uh, uh, prestigious about his, his <clears throat> beer drinking. This, um, okay, I'm going to take another sip of this. I, I don't have the woe factor that I did last week. Last week was very like, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I know what the fuck is going on with this, and it's, uh, and it's fabulous. Well, dear listeners, your uh, guest Brian is drinking Tangeray. And tonic, <laughs> so it protects you from with the limes. So it protects you from scurvy, malaria, and uh, you know the burdens of aristocracy. So it's uh, beautiful. It's an all-in-one. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Burns would be upset. Uh, you did not mention rickets. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah. Wow. That is really good. So um, it does have that. It has that like fresh squeezed orange juice uh, kind of vibe to it, but it's almost like. It's almost like you've put too much grapefruit juice. It, it, like you're making a trying to make it like a greyhound. You're too much grapefruit juice in it. It's got that boozy, boozy bite to it. But the grapefruit and the orange, the citrus, it really just blows you away. I love it. Um, and I, and I, I love, I, I just love beer because you can do so much to make a beer taste like a fucking fruit juice, a citrus fruit juice. Without actually using citrus and fruit in it, it's it's outrageous to me that you can that that these beer makers and these artisans can do this shit. Um, so we've been doing the song thing recently, where I compare it to a song, and uh, just because it's so much like grapefruit, um, I'm gonna go with Ruby by uh, Kaiser Chiefs. That's my song for this beer. It's a deep cut. I like yeah. it. And it also makes me it also makes me kind of happy like that song. That song's kind of bubbly, right? 
guy's in love with her and you know he doesn't know how to tell her so i, I kind of i just kind of just love i love that song and this beer makes me kind of happy where like just bouncy and happy like when i listen to that song and i really really enjoy kaiser cheese so um i'm gonna say ruby kaiser cheese and uh, i don't have dave here to make fun of me like he did last week. <laughs> <laughs> i just i mean i i can't think of a more i think this whole uh your your segment on what are you drinking is a quintessential segment for a podcast sponsored by of all places vermont's purse it's like we are just we are leaning into Vermont, and we are leaning into Spurs, and that's what this podcast is. Uh, We're like now called Green Mountain Spurs. Oh, right. oh, pardon me. Yes, yes, um, yes. A, a Spurs group based in uh, Vermont, greater yes. parts of Vermont. Yeah. Yes. We, we, lean, we lean into all things Vermont, uh, including uh, Steve with his uh, his maple syrup donuts and his maple uh. <laughs> that he loved. Those are so good. Yeah, I know, right? Um. So yeah, I, I have uh, I, I I don't know um, what Steve is thinking here, but I'm gonna give this beer uh, a four point two five. Oh damn, I was way off. <laughs> um, I don't have any beers from Treehouse that I've ever not liked, and I would never I haven't ever on any of the beer review sites given them anything less than a four. Um, this is great. Um, so. Uh, We've gotten through that segment, and uh, so we and we've gotten through uh, all our talk about the fucking stupid Woolwich cannons. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Burnley a little bit because uh, there was a a little non-controversial controversy there. Um, non-controversial in my eyes, probably uh, controversial in uh, the eyes of um, the aforementioned fuckfaces and. Um, and Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything was, bad to say about Burnley because they're fucking terrible. Yeah, I, I was like, wait, did I miss? The, did Mike has like a beef with Burnley? Uh, I don't. Or, I, no, I have okay. no beef with Burnley. <laughs> one of my X-ray students, um, her uncle is one of the is one of the owners of the team. In fact, oh wow, uh, yeah, yeah. I was. I just found this out, and I, I didn't believe her, and she. Yeah, Please tell me he's like the what? What is that sign they have in, the, in their stadium? Like the Lori Rental Company that's been there for like twenty years. <laughs> uh, no, no, he's also if your student, your student's uncle was like the the Lori King of Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does like he's like the chief something officer. I don't know uh, the the three own the three primary owners all have named themselves chief something officer, right? Oh wow! Cool. Firing one of the probably most popular guys, you know. In, in that area for being a shitty coach for 10 years. <laughs> um, I, I have a question about this game. Yeah. Did they look a little gassed to you, Spurs? I don't know that they looked gassed to me. I, I really feel like um, playing in a game like this is, is really tough. I, I know that uh, Jurgen Klopp fucking complained about it, uh, us playing s- not not similarly, but – in a defensive, in a very defensive way, Burnley does it because they have to, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have the money to buy like the big attacking players and the big Rolls Royces. Um, they don't have the money to do that. So what they do is they they have coaches and 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 they buy players that defend really well. I think Burnley. I don't hate them for the type of football they play because 
Um, they have to play that way. They're very well drilled, and and all of those players that they buy are decent defensive players, and they're just very well drilled. So, and, and I think they have to play that way. That said, there there were uh, a couple of opportunities that they just because they don't have those attacking players, they just fucked because. They had opportunities to play the balls over the top, like you said. I don't think they were gas. I think they were just playing it slow, trying to figure things out. And I, th- I think I really hoping was hoping that something came to them at some point. Uh, I mean, like I, I think our our top guys against Arsenal were just as lethal as they could be, right? Just even even they didn't actually score a goal. Like just the the clinicality of their use of space of the shots of the passes. Like I, I thought the, the North London Derby was a complete performance and I loved it. And particularly the attacking guys, Burnley, it's not like we were without chances, you know, it just, the, the finishing was like, you know, if, uh, you know, uh, I'm, who do I make fun of with this? I'm thinking, trying to think of like if uh, Arsenal was like uh, you know Mass General Hospital, then like you know uh, uh, in terms of clinical quality, uh, then you know then Burnley it seemed like I don't know like a, a, a battlefield surgeon or something like that. Like Harry, I was going to say Rutland Hospital, but you, oh well, I don't oh, know good God, I wasn't I wasn't going to crack on anybody's home turf there. Oh, no, um, perfectly fine, but um, but you know what I mean, like. Harry had a bunch of chances. Uh, Sonny ha- had chances. And, you know, Pope, like, defended pretty – like, the, the, their keeper deserves a good amount of credit. He made some tough saves. Fine. He's a, That's, he's, that... he's a, I think he's a world-class keeper. Yeah, I think he he really is pretty good. I haven't seen a ton of him, but I've seen enough in, like, you know, random uh, – oh, hey, look, there's soccer on, and it happens to be Burnley kind of matches that I've watched. The I felt the same way about Ramsdale before he became a piece of shit. So. Well, there's that. It's going to be really hard with uh, – uh, Turner next season. That's just it makes me preemptively sad. Yeah. Turner uh Turner from the Revs going to Arsenal. Yeah. But yeah, um yeah. uh but I just thought what was I don't think it's just bad luck. I think just they were they were a little bit off. Like it's like the fine motor skills of finely calibrated athletes weren't quite where they should be. And that's why, you know, uh Michael, we were texting before or when we were on our uh, WhatsApp chat. Uh these guys are so exclusive, by the way. They have a uh, full full time cast member WhatsApp group and and a Vermont uh, or a Green Mountain first group, and they have one just for the guests. It's like a, it's like the green room, you know. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, you know, it's it like I, it makes me so happy that we have another. Like they're gonna get seven full days of rest, um, and I know it's not gonna be rest. They're gonna be training, whatever. But just having two relatively you know kind of intense matches in a row. And frankly, I think it's good for us that Norwich City have already been relegated. You know, I think it's not, uh, I mean, uh, again, their Schadenfreude might be pretty active, but it's not going to be as much as if if they got three points, they could stay up. You know, it's just, there's no way you can duplicate that level of intensity. But yeah, Burnley, I just thought they were just, they created the chances, which is good. And it speaks to some of the openings that were created by like Cessignon, I thought again, had a really good game, had some really, there were some good crosses. There were some good chances created uh, and we just didn't put them away, which I think like those, the top three, I don't, I don't know um, the, the, the swinge 
the Swedish change uh, was like ill or something. It was like minute yeah, limited. Or... That's that's where I was I was getting my games mixed up with the Lucas and and, and yeah. Decky earlier. I I I, uh, I honestly I would have started Lucas in this game, even if even if Decky were were healthy, um, just because of his ability to run at people in the box. Um, I, I know that Decky's great on the ball. He's got good feet. He can. He can navigate through some stuff. He, like I said before, I've said a million times, he looks like he's going in slow motion sometimes, but he moves balls through places. I think. I think in order to break, I think some of your slow motion stuff is how out of shape he was when he got here in January. <laughs> he's so much faster than he was in January. Like I was like, oh, this guy is going to be a goal, goal scorer, scorer up top with our big two. Uh, I stand corrected. I think he's that. feeling that same feeling that he came you know, that he get, got when he signed with the Juventus initially, right? Yeah. Um and then, you know, Pirlo just didn't play him. And and because he wasn't he didn't fit into the system. I think this was a perfect game for Lucas, honestly. Um and he did not make the most of his of his chance and uh you know, in the in the end, uh we have to really give all of the plaudits in this game um to the the uh, the unsung heroes here which are I think are Sessegnon and and Emerson um over yep. the past few weeks a few weeks ago I said that I would take Reggie if we're going to sell one of the left left-sided wingbacks um I would take Reggie over uh, over Sessegnon uh, I I I've, I've changed my mind um I think that Sessegnon when he gets a good run of games and he's healthy um is is going to be an adequate player out there um i think he's getting better and better every game but let's talk about the other side because emerson his turnaround has come pretty quickly and it happened the same with doherty and it speaks volumes to the way conte drills his team um we also have to mention the real unsung hero here the guy who's been in the shadows for the past three fucking months, Dave Sanchez. All right. He had I, I, a, I, Steve has to go first to comment on that because he's got a right, the amount no, of crap that he's start. talked about Sanchez over the last he several years. He had a years. rough start in that Arsenal <laughs> game. And then and I think he fit right back in, man. You know, the best the best thing you you want out of out of a center back is to not hear from him, right? No, I, you know, prevention, right? Uh, yeah, the guy, he yeah, was, they say he every, every dollar you put. Not having played for three months, he was yeah. solid. Absolutely. Totally. I think that absolutely deserves all the credit for that. And, so, you know, and I think a lot of good defense, and I think this is, I think Ramiro is good on, like, all parts of the diagram of skills. Like, he's good on the um, aggressive, highly visible, beautifully timed tackles that just – not just end uh, an attack, but somehow always seem to like start a really great counterattack. Um, so he's good on that stuff. He's also good. I guess I'm talking a lot about space today, but he's good at spacing himself such that balls don't get people don't attempt things right. He by by being so smart and being like you know like a panther ready there to like pounce, intercept, whatever. Um, he people don't pass in that direction because of the risk that he poses 
And I think that Royale has really, um, uh, sorry, Sanchez, I uh, uh, meant to say, did a lot of really good stuff off the ball um, that was, it's clear that like the, you know, I'm Antonio Conte and I'm going to beat these principles into your head every day, all day uh, until you get them. And that's, which is by the way, exactly what he did to Christian Erickson, right? Christian Erickson was on the bench until he kind of conformed to Conte's will. Um, I think that Sanchez got the message not being a starter for a while. And he really, I, I would imagine he's performing very well, uh, you know, in, in practice because he's doing stuff. He did stuff off the ball that, I think it was really great and preventative. Like there were, there were things that just didn't appear um, because they were too high risk because of how well he was spacing himself. He made, yeah, he made one, he made one really bad pass. I feel like in that Arsenal game at the very beginning. And then ever since then, he's like, all right, I got to fucking settle down. Got his head yeah. about him. The, the rest of the game, obviously they were playing against 10 men, but um, I think he also did an admirable job against uh, Burnley. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, Steve. You might have a take on on this uh, on this Burnley situation, but like, you want to talk about that that penalty because I I don't see that other than a penalty. It's anything else other than a penalty. Um, I think I posted. I didn't. I don't think I sent this over to you, Brian, today. But there was a picture that I posted that of another questionable penalty call that happened to Spurs. Um, that was way, way, way more questionable and in a bigger, way bigger spot, which was the aforementioned Dave Sanchez uh, in the in the in the in the final of the Champions League. Um, that's all I hit him. What's that? Oh, Sissoko. Right. Yeah. Sorry, Sissoko. Oh, my bad. Can't have people. the Twitter fact checkers coming after you again, Mike. That's right. It was Sissoko. It was it was an armpit shot. Right. Yep. It was an arm, it was an armpit shot, and um, I know the rule has changed, but um, I found it no different in, in this game. Uh, in fact, I think it was even more of a of a of a terribly played uh, defensive ball. I mean, defenders in a box, deep in a box, no, they shouldn't have their arms out. You know, like like Steve said earlier today, uh, Christ the Redeemer. <laughs> I can fly in from Rio just trying to save the ball. <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I'll keep it brief. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you're always going to take a risk when your arms are away from your body, especially when it's in an unnatural position. It You know, you can make judgments about, you know, if somebody's jumping or, or coming down or they're getting pushed or whatever, but this dude wasn't doing any of that. His arm was just out by the side. I have no sympathy for them. Uh, to me, that was clear and obvious penalty. Uh, and it was, I'm, I'm glad we got it. I'm glad Kane buried it uh, as perfectly as he did. Uh, but for anybody complaining, I mean, you're just grasping at straws at that point. Cause I don't know what to tell you. It's it for me, it's not even, the law is the law. You got to follow the game, the way it's written, whatever. You're just doing something stupid in the box and you got punished for it. You know, it's not like somebody slide tackles uh, the legs out from under somebody and gets a penalty. I don't say, oh, well, you know, they made the play for the ball, so they shouldn't be punished for, you know, missing it completely. It's like, that's not how it works. All right. You did something stupid. 
you get punished for it. Tough shit. You know, penalty was converted, move on. If you, you know, it, that entire game, Burnley didn't really, you know, I think they had the, the Ashley Barnes shot uh, that ricocheted off the post. That was their closest effort they had yep. to scoring. The rest of that game, they did fuck all. I mean, you know, at, at some point, you just got to look at yourselves in the mirror and say, you know, we didn't do enough. I'm critical of Spurs when we do that, when we start slow and end slow. Um, you know, I'm the first one to get on here and say, you know, these guys need to let a fire under their ass. Burnley, they seemed content with just fucking parking the bus and hoping for mm-hmm. the best. And, you know, it it shot them in the ass. It happens. Tough shit. Move on. Well, you know, I, I, I really, I just, I, I was, I was wondering though, like in, at the end of the day here, we're, we were two points clear. We're, we're looking for, you know, one point on Sunday, one point from probably one of the most terribly shambolic teams, uh, I I've ever seen, um, but you know, I feel like there's got to be something that's going to happen to Spurs uh, because we wouldn't have the term Spursy. I I really think that um, Steve might have some insight into something that could possibly trip us up. I don't. I, do you, anything, Steve? I mean, in you, terms you of finishing out the season. No, I mean just like as far as like so, somebody you know in the league office is sitting there turning the fucking wheels. There's got to be something that you have in your in your the back of your head or that somebody has told you you have specific knowledge of. Well, I don't know about specific knowledge, Mike, but I can tell you about a set of coincidences that uh, I've noticed over the last few days that uh, may shine a light onto the situ- situation uh, going on with Spurs. Uh, and it all starts with our favorite bald man. And no, I'm not talking about Nuno Espirito Santo. John Joe I'm, Shelby? No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about our, our white American Nuno Espirito Santo counterpart who is missing from today's call. That's right. The one and only Dave. Now, keep in mind, when we saw Dave briefly at the beginning of this recording when he opened this room up and and gave us the host and let us record he was in a hotel room a very generic hotel room curtains were 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 closed we couldn't see where he was he claims he's in san bernardino california but what i think what i believe is that he is actually talking with joe lewis right now about what needs to be done uh, for Tottenham for the upcoming season. And I'm not just, you know, throwing this out there for the sake of throwing it out there. I've done my research. I've checked my facts. And here's what I've come up with. Dave lacking in the hair department. On the top of his head, at least. He's got a magnificent beard. But who else is is lacking in the hair department? Fucking Levy. Bald meets bald. Now, 
we had two great games this week. We crushed our rivals. We got a hard-earned victory against Burnley. This should be the perfect opportunity for Dave to be leading us to Wicked Spursy podcast glory, but he's not here. Now, we know how important this podcast is to him, uh, you know, being the guy who hosts and keeps us on track and keeps us uh, honest with, with our thoughts and uh, the direction in which we take things. Why would he miss this if not for something more important than this menial podcast? Now he's going to say it's a work-related function. I don't buy that for a second. What self-respecting employer sends people out to California? It just doesn't make sense to me. The more logical, the more logical uh, leap is that Dave has gone to meet up with Joe Lewis in the Bahamas on his yacht or wherever the fuck Joe Lewis is hanging out. They're talking tactics ahead of the season. I can't help but notice that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium still doesn't have naming rights. I wouldn't be surprised if our boy Dave was negotiating (laughs) to call it the Wicked Spursy Stadium. Do we have money to offer them this? No. But what we do have are dozens of... Dozens. Dozens and dozens of listeners. I knew that's where we were going. (laughs) who are more than willing to at least mention this podcast in passing to somebody. And we all know the power of the passing word. Word of mouth is what's going to drive this podcast onto Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And it all starts with our bald leader, Dave, meeting with Joe Lewis in the Bahamas right now to make that deal happen. And since he's not currently here to dispute that, I think we can assume that it is 100% factual and nobody needs to follow up with Dave at all to confirm or deny the uh, statement that I've made. I don't think that Dave is uh, a part of this podcast anymore, actually. Uh, I think (laughs) I'm going to take, I'm going to take your theory one step further and say that Dave is abandoning us to start his own podcast on Hotspur way with Joe Lewis and Daniel Levy, and they're going to have the Three Bald Men podcast. Oh, that's brilliant. Yep. North London BaldCon. BaldCon. So so we're coming to that time of the podcast where uh, I know we've been having a great conversation. Um. And it's a, it's a great to talk to you guys, and I know that Dave isn't here today, but um, we're coming to that part of the podcast where we have to kind of sign off and say goodbye. Um, we uh, know what we're gonna get with Norwich, so um, I'd like to let uh, I'd like to let Brian start us off with our final closing thoughts uh, today. Well. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you uh, for uh, indulging me uh, again. Um, I really appreciate being here. There is just never a dull moment being a Tottenham Hotspur fan. There really is not. Um, And I just, you know, I went back today before because I knew I was talking to you guys and just looking at um, particularly, you know, points dropped under Nuno, which was sad, but even points dropped under Conte. And, like, there's a legitimate, like, we've only made three major changes since Conte arrived. And we, I think we like all three of them, right? We're very, very happy. I would say. Um, uh, although I guess Romero was prior, wasn't he? He just was injured. He only really came back under, under Conte. So we made two, two major changes. Uh, Doherty was a major change. Uh, that's true. He, he, <laughs> uh, 
in a different manner. Um, contractually, we didn't make that many changes. And if we had had this team and this organization and this kind of, I think, you know, spirit, uh, and I, you got to give Conte a lot of credit for this, we should be in, we, we could very easily be fighting for second place like next season if we go from the start given the points we've taken off of the two big teams why not like why should spurs not be considered a title contender next year and um you know i think we have i'm not going to count my chickens before they they hatch but you know i think we have a good chance of getting you know a point uh off of uh norwich i would certainly hope that just the the base champions league energy uh will get us there um, but I'm really, I'm thinking, for, you know, for next season, and I'm, uh, hopefully we can talk about this more in the future. I'm really thinking, like, I look at this and it's just like, retrospectively, we've got one match left. Where are we? Do we deserve to be here? I think we absolutely deserve to be here. We probably deserve to be even in better shape. Like, we shouldn't have all this drama uh, at the end of the season, the arsenal up and down. I think they, we kind of underachieved for a good part of the season. I think they overachieved for part of the season. And, you know, just because sports are human drama played out in public um we happen to meet in this very dramatic conclusion but i feel good about it i feel good about this team I feel good about the direction I feel good about conte staying um but at the moment i'm not discounting norwich um i think that you know there, there's a certain i don't think they would mind terribly being a spoiler for uh for tottenham hotspur um and so i hope that the focus is just as good as it was leading up to the last two matches, the focus, the prep, everything, keep our eyes on the prize. Uh, I know I personally am not going to count any chickens before they're hatched. I'm, um, I'm, I might be more of an optimist uh, than everyone on this podcast, uh, but I am. I also believe that the sports gods are are punitive, and uh, you know, uh, assuming a victory is the surest way to guarantee defeat. So, um, but yeah, and then. Uh, yeah, thanks again for having me. I hope you know, we're through the greater part of this pandemic, pray God, um, or at least it's easier to hang with people. And we'd love to see you guys this summer if possible. So, Sounds great. And honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't have put it better myself. I think any Spurs fan who is looking at the Norwich game as a sure win is honestly a fucking idiot because – it would be classic Spurs for us to get fucking hammered by an already relegated Norwich. I'm still thinking back to that Newcastle game, last day of the season, where they beat us 4-1. You know, oh, I, I still remember that game. Oh, uh, so, yeah, I'm with you, Brian. I'm not going to consider anything as a sure thing until probably well after that game on Sunday ends and we – are certain that the players aren't going to be called back onto the field at any point for a controversial penalty or anything <laughs> like that. You know, once they've all left the stadium, they've all left the grounds, they've gone to their homes, the referees have already put the final, final version in the books, then I'll be content that we either <laughs> got Champions League or we don't. And just to remind our audience, if we don't get Champions League, Personally, I won't be upset because I won't have to buy that Winx jersey. But right now, it's looking pretty likely like I'm going to fuck myself out uh, of some money to buy a goddamn Harry Winx jersey. But I do want to make you know one final, final thought 
unrelated to Spurs. So uh, and, and this is a bit of local excitement. So Vermont has their own minor league soccer team now. It's called Vermont Green FC. Uh, their aim well, is to fourth, be fourth tier, fourth tier, bro. fourth tier. <laughs> yeah, they're like USL two. They're you know I had to watch their their opening ever game uh, on a Facebook live stream, which was not great whatsoever. Um, but no, it's you know it's really cool for somebody to start a, a professional club. Uh, you know, essentially in our own backyard, especially one that's dedicated to you know renewable, sustainable. Uh, being very energy conscious, you know, all their, their kits are made with recycled plastic, they're, um, you know, upcycled material, they're, they're doing a lot of really great stuff um, from a climate perspective to, to, you know, bring that to the forefront of, of soccer. And even though they're fourth tier, they're, you know, playing against, well, let's be honest, I mean, the game that I watched them, they played on a high school football field, uh, not exactly top tier competition <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it, it was nice to have something local, um, you know, cause being in Vermont, we don't really have a lot of professional sports at all. Um, uh, we've got a minor league baseball team that's relatively popular and I can't think of anything else. Um, you know, so if we want to watch soccer or, or anything else, it's driving to Boston, driving to Montreal, um, not ideal. So it, it's nice to have uh, something small, something local uh, that, you know, I can go to that I can bring my son to so that he can be exposed to that sort of, uh, you know, really low key environment. Uh, they did win their, their opening game ever for nothing. Uh, great start to the season for them. But if you find yourself, uh, you know, in, in New England, especially the Burlington area, and you're itching for a soccer game over the next, what, like two or three months for however long the season lasts for them, uh, check them out, Vermont Green FC. Um, you know, it'd be great to, to kind of grow that fan base. I'd love for them to stick around. You know, I don't want them to go under or, you know, shut up shop or anything anytime soon because uh, I, I would love to see a professional sports team actually grow and thrive in this state. Very cool. Um, I can say that uh, I bought season tickets for uh, the Vermont Green FC. Um, one for myself, one for my son. Uh, and uh, the other thing is that their kits are um, designed by a, a gentleman who's designed kits for uh, Premier League, from Bundesliga, for a number of giant clubs. He used to design kits for Nike. Um, he did the uh, the France uh, World Cup winning kit, didn't he? He absolutely did. Um, the other thing is that that um, the 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 renewable, sustainable stuff um, isn't just in. They're sponsored by Sun Common, a, a solar company, um, and Burlington Beer Company, but um, they have also partnered with uh, Forest Green Rovers, who have just uh, moved up to um, League One from League Two. Um, they have big plans for uh, for a fully sustainable solar powered stadium uh, out there. Um, the, all both of those teams you got to look into. Um, Vermont Green FC is uh, is it's going to be fun to watch. You won't have to watch. You'll be able to watch at Virtue Field um, where UVM plays. Um, but that said, I want to get into. Um, 
into my final thoughts, which are these. Um, this season has brought us a lot of up and downs. Um, we're, we're coming to the, the final game of the season against Norwich. We know they're terrible. They might be one of the worst teams I've ever seen play. They lost a couple of guys who were, who were very big uh, for their run in the, in the championship last year uh, because of loans. Um, one of them being our own um, Oliver Skip. Um, but what this mean what what Europa League versus Champions League means for Spurs is is probably as fans one of the biggest things for us um, moving forward, which is money plus Antonio Conte plus Harry Kane. Um, yep. It means Harry Kane staying. It means Antonio Conte staying. It means Antonio Conte gets money to do with what he pleases. Um, we saw what him and Paradici did when, when uh, the January window opened. They found diamonds in the rough which propelled us to where we are right now. Champions League is a big deal. Conte is not going to let this just slide by. Um, Harry Kane staying is a huge, huge, huge deal. Um, we we need to keep Harry Kane. We need to lock him down for the rest of his career, in my opinion. I know at the beginning of the season, I called him Florida man. I called him. I, I wouldn't call him by his name. I called him Florida man. I called him HK10. I called him... <laughs> Harris Kane the third. Um, I called him Kerry Hayne at one point. Um, <laughs> this guy continues to amaze me, um, even though he's done some boneheaded things in the past 365 days. Um, and I really think that on Sunday, this is going to be Tottenham Hotspur showing everybody in the world that yes we are a big club and yes we're going to be a big club and that and I I, I gotta say Daniel Levy did the right thing a little bit too late <laughs> hey better late than never man and, and that's what I was gonna say it's better <laughs> better late better making it into the Champions League than late never. than never making it in. right Champions <laughs> League is good and it's gonna be a big deal. Um, separating us from Arsenal, too. Yep. If that's what we're really worried about as a fan base, which I don't think it should be, you know? Do I fucking give a shit when when the New York Yankees are haven't won a fucking World Series in, what, how many years now? Since 2009? Do I give a shit? No. <laughs> I don't give a shit about the fucking Yankees anymore. Unless we have to play them in the playoffs. Right? It's going to be a big deal for fans because in soccer, your rival, your biggest rival, it is a big deal to finish above them. Whether you're both fighting for relegation or whether you're both fighting for Champions League. Yep. And this, it, having Champions League is going to make all of the difference in the end. Who can spend more money and who can have more money in the end? And I, and I think that... Uh, having Harry Kane here for the next five years of his career um, or more to end his career is going to be a big deal. Yep. 
it, it just it just is um i don't i don't think we can uh, even someone who's uh, accused of hyperbole as often as i am could overstate the importance of us getting a point out of norwich city preferably three it, right. it is i mean it there are hundreds of millions of dollars in the balance there's the next decade of some people's lives that hang in the balance like it is as pivotal a match as i think you're, you're ever going to see um and even though it's against a team that's going to be relegated like i don't care it's like the it, it has to be all out um it really i if we won this game 10 nothing that would be insufficient for me you know it needs to be like uh an exclamation point on the on the positive end of a season if you're if you're winning 10 nothing going into the 80th minute you're still not happy until that whistle blows well hey we got to get sunny the golden boot too <laughs> that's great now I, I i think i think you get into a comfortable situation where and you get a penalty where Harry Kane, uh, if, if you're in a comfortable situation, Harry Kane will give up the penalty to give Sonny the golden boot. So I think that he has said he doesn't give a shit about the golden boot. I don't believe it. Um, I, I I believe that everybody loves the individual awards. Um, but at the end of the day, you're right, Brian. North City. Yeah, gotta get gotta get through. The only way uh, up is through. So correct. So, um, that all said, um, it's been a great episode. I thank you guys. I really, uh, I really loved having you again, Brian. Um, and we will see you again. Um, Steve, I love you, man. Thanks for being here. Uh, you got anything to say? Yeah, Dave, I want to cut in the profits when you get, uh, the wicked Spursy <laughs> stadium up and running. You don't, don't forget about us who helped get you there. Um, and also to, to all you listeners out there, this is your weekly reminder. Don't be an asshole. Just, just don't fucking do it. It's not fun. And, uh, for my signing off, I'm going to say quiz, 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 and be safe, everyone. Peace. Thanks guys. <laughs>